Hey everyone, I've decided to put a warning at the head of this episode. Uh, when we get into advanced consent and the topic of consent violations, we do talk about um, descriptions of events that both have factually happened and uh, hypotheticals, uh, both of which I know some people may find very unpleasant. So I just thought I'd warn you ahead of time. Apart from that, it's a good episode and I think um, it has subjects that really need to be talked about. So please enjoy. And now a word about our sponsor. The Kinky Boys podcast is brought to you by How to Kill a Superhero, the BDSM book series by author Pablo Green. If you ever fantasized about a juicy muscle beast encased in lycra, bound and gagged, then your moment has arrived. This book series is for fans of superhero fetish, bondage and transformation fetishes. The books are available in paperback and Kindle at the Amazon store in 13 countries. Book 3, Transformation Fetish, is out now. And I can tell you folks, it's a brilliant, brilliant read. Try it out yourself. You can also buy autographed copies of the paperbacks, t-shirt, spandex wrestling singlets, and bondage rope at howtokillersuperhero.net. Kinky Boy listeners can use the discount code KINKYBOYS for 15% off any order. Shipping is available worldwide. These books are pervy as pervy can be. How to kill a superhero, there's a power rising inside you. The Kinky Boys Podcast. Exploring one kink at a time. Welcome to the Kinky Boys Podcast. I'm Craig. I'm Adam. And welcome back after a long hiatus. Uh, yeah, it's been quite a long while since we've done one of these. <laughs> yeah, we, well, well, I've been away and then you've been busy with like your degree. And yeah, it's my final year in exam seasons and, you know, you have to sort out your priorities. And... Congratulations on completing your Viva yesterday. Oh, thank you. And I did it with a tooth yank towel. Which, because obviously that's the best way to do your final exam. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not sure which was worse. <laughs> I really do. I actually think I prefer the dentist because at least they numb you. Hush. Anyway. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about consent. Yes. I mean, I think it's a very important topic to cover. And a lot of the time, um, you can go deeper into it than most people think. A lot of people seem to think consent is very, say yes, do it, thing. Actually, there can be a lot more subtleties in it, and there can actually be some quite difficult concepts to get through. Well, there's the problem with sex is everyone wants it to seem like spontaneous and romantic, and that's kind of difficult when you're doing kink, and there's a lot of separate things that someone has to say yes to. Exactly. And it's also, people often have trouble defining their, like, limits. Yeah. Like, I know whenever anyone asks me, I am an R, as I tend to do. I'm sure the listeners are aware how often I um. But, <laughs> but yeah, and I really struggle to make up a list of limits. Uh, and there's also just the fact of human language is this funny thing where two people can use the same word and mean slightly different concepts. For an example, asking about water sports. 
because some people like it on them, some people like it in them, some people like to drink straight from the tap. And it's one word which someone will say yes or no to or flag right or left, and it can mean completely different things. And you've somehow got to guess it if you want to try and do this whole spontaneous thing. Yeah, it's like, say, if you asked me if you wanted if we want to do water sports, and I said, yes, I'd love to go skiing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I know. Why can't podcasts just have the husky face pop up? Well, they can, but you have to use a priority Apple format. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, 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 no. Stop. No. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. So, yeah, the biggest thing with, I mean, obviously in vanilla sex, there's the basic yes and no, but we're talking about more um, BDSM, kink, fetishes, play, which often involves the pre-discussion. Yeah. The... So, you know how on Grinder everyone always asks, what are you into? Turns out that's actually really, really important, despite being a boring and go-to thing to ask. Oh, Yeah. I actually get quite pissed off with people that um, when you ask what they're into and it's like, well, I put this big list on my profile. Obviously, you didn't read my profile. And it's like, no, I want to actually have a talk about these things. I want to know more. Yeah. I mean, you can try and get around that by saying, ah, I see you are into blank. Tell me more about that. Yes. And then you can at and least then you become an NPC in a computer game. Yeah. Tell me more about blank. <laughs> Tell me more about puppy play. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's always very important to have a pre-scene discussion, preferably in person. Mm. I always find these conversations go better in person than they do, say, across a messengers, messaging system. But, you know, we live in the 21st century and that is the primary, primary means of communication now. The... So the way that I used to do it way back when was um, meeting up for coffee beforehand and then having the actual session later. Um, and that usually was because you get to have a feel for what the guy is like, whether or not there's any chemistry between you, blah, blah, blah. But equally, sometimes that's just straight up not possible and you've got to do it by text message. Yeah. Yeah, which, again, you know, you can do it. It's it's not bad. I just find person-to-person to be a bit more involving and a bit more useful. Mm. Plus, you can use it for flirting. <laughs> you know, this. You know, these conversations don't have to be like this strict negotiating of a big legal contract. You can use it to flirt. You can use it. So what are you into? Oh, you're into this. How about this? What if I did this to you? Oh, you like that? As opposed to the sexy checklist. Yes. Please tick the following boxes. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, it's just a bit more involving. And you do actually get to ask in detail about things. Oh, and yeah. Again, there's just... You can be so vague just by saying roughly what you like. And it can mean completely different things. And you can be taken far too far just because the understanding of the word is slightly different. And 
Again, yay for human language not being as accurate as it could be. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things I find really helps is to talk about why it's your limit. Don't just say, um, I don't... Scat. Go for scat. It's the universal hard limit for... Most people, yes. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not... Don't just say I'm not into scat. Although, I, Actually, this is about... Reason because it is a universal limit. Okay, fine. Go for puppy play. Uh, let's go with hoods. Okay. Hoods is a good one. Don't just say, I'm not into hoods. I mean, give your reason why. Say, I'm not into hoods because it makes me feel very claustrophobic and then I start panicking, as well as it limits my air supply intake, which really sets off my panic instinct. I'm not into hoods because... Pat, pat. I have a gigantic nose, and hoods just do not fit me properly. See? Both Adam and I have different... We're both not into hoods in this scenario, um, but we have different reasons for it. And Adam, if he's smart, will be able to interact. Right, so Craig has issues with claustrophobia and air breathing intake, so don't try and do breath play, don't cover his mouth, or at yep. least check before... And by giving your reasons, it helps give a much clearer picture of why. And because a lot of the faults with these is people list off their things and they forget something. If you give the reasons why you're not into it, the top can often intuit what else you may not be into and get a better idea of why your limits are there. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Be and practice. Don't do it at the time. Really think to yourself and draw out a list and really have it clear in your head. Pre-prepare, do your homework, um, your reasons why, and try and be as clear as possible performing to yourself before you, you know, actually say these things to other people. Because nothing says I am not at all neurotic and I am a sane and healthy person. Like looking in the mirror and listing off the things that you don't like to do sexually. Well, it could just be in a notebook, <laughs> just to get it clear in your head. It... I know, it's a, it is actually a good idea, but again, it's not particularly sexy. I, well, this is the half of Half of sex isn't sexy. And... Uh, yeah, spontaneous sex takes a lot of planning. That's the truth of it. <laughs> Ask uh, any bottom. Yeah. And there's also the difference of being clear on hard limits and soft limits. Yeah, I will do this with the right guy versus no, 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 no. Oh, yeah, it's, um, I recently found, now, I really don't like pain, but I'm actually willing to do CBT in the right mood, the right setting, with the right people that I trust. Yeah. And it's, yeah, don't think I'm going to meet up with someone off the internet and just let them beat my balls. It's... No. No, there's a lot... With things which require a lot more trust, shockingly, they're a lot better when you trust someone. So quite a lot of bondage, quite a lot of S&M, it is better if you know them. It is better if you trust them. Yeah. But... Equally, finding just sexy man in rubber can be just as fun if you don't know them as if you do. I always think there's this sexy element of exploring someone, finding out what they like, getting to know them can be a very intense experience. Hmm. 
at that same time, when you're doing that, you're limited on what you can do and how much you can enjoy something. Hmm. So it shifts over time. Yeah. Your enjoyment comes from a different place the longer you get to know someone. Hmm. Yeah, so... Okay, on the list we've got the absence of no isn't the same as yes. So do you want to start talking about the police and the teacup thing? Later. Okay. Right now, I just want to do a bit more on um, soft and hard limits. Okay. Like, some people, this may be a new concept to them. So, what is a soft limit versus a hard limit? I mean, we've already said, you know, it, it can be stuff you're willing to do. Other times, it's stuff you're not confident in. You want to try it, but you're scared to. Yeah, there's... There are a few things like that, and generally, you can explain it... It's best done by just saying why you don't want to do it with this person at this time. It's, no, please don't fist me. I am not yet loose enough for it. But at some point, I do want to. Exactly. And just a handy tip, try not to do this in roles. I know a lot of people like to stay in role, and it's like, so what do you like, boy? And that can be handy. But I, I think at times it can be good just to say... Let's cut all that and just have a frank discussion and get it out of the way, and then we can get on with this. Hmm. Yeah. So, yes. Um, Again, the coffee shop beforehand. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's very useful. Plus, coffee. If you, it turns out absolutely awful, you've got coffee. Yeah. Um, so, Yes. Absence of no isn't the same as yes, and the enthusiastic yes concept. Okay. Start. Right. So, for a long time, the big thing about consent was no means no. Which is all right. It's the basic message is if someone says no, they mean no. Hmm. Of course, that then doesn't regard social pressure and certain states of inebriation. Yeah. Which, of course, if, you know, if you look at... Therefore, up... the absence of no doesn't necessarily mean yes, because if you are unconscious, chances are you probably don't want things shoved inside you. Yeah, if you're just staggeringly drunk or off your head or... Yeah, that doesn't give people permission. It is an enthusiastic continuous yes mm. yeah so it is oh, I don't I can't explain it any better than that you know so the analogy that I mentioned earlier was this um, big public service announcement that went out across the internet um, from I think it was the Metropolitan Police um, where they described consent using tea it's would you like a cup of tea? Yes, I would love a cup of tea. Thank you so much. So you boil the kettle, you brew the tea, you add the milk and you serve the tea. And then you get to watch them drinking the tea. If it's, hmm, yeah, that might be good. Oh, actually, sorry, I've changed my mind. In the time it takes to boil the kettle, brew the tea, pour the milk and serve the tea, you know, someone can change their mind. They might think, actually, I don't really want tea right now. At which point... You don't start shoving tea down their throat because they said they wanted tea earlier. Yeah. People are allowed to change their mind. And equally, 
if someone says, yes, I'd love some tea, and then falls asleep whilst you're brewing the kettle, boiling the kettle, brewing the tea, adding the milk and serving the tea, don't start pouring tea down the unconscious person's throat. Unconscious people don't want tea. Yeah. And likewise, if someone said, yeah, I really want tea 10 days ago, don't show up to their house 10 days later with a cup of tea saying, but you wanted tea back then because they've changed their mind. Yeah. And if you can analogize it that effectively, it is actually relatively simple to think about when it comes to sex. It's, yeah, you may still definitely want it, but if the other person doesn't, then don't. Because it's not fun forcing tea down someone's throat. Exactly. And it's just good S&M practice or kink practice to continually check in. And it doesn't have to interrupt the scene. You can do it, so you like that? Yeah, you like that? Yeah, yeah, tell me how much you like that. <laughs> see, 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 you're getting consent, you're getting com- continuous yeses, you're checking in, but it's not acting out of character. And... The concept of checking that they want more as well, because, okay, I can't do that um, sexually outside of a scene because I'm not a very good actor, but genuinely just look someone in the eyes and ask them more. And usually they will say yes if they want it, or they will shake their head if they don't. And that's actually a fairly good sign. Mm -hmm. And, again, we've talked about it basically from the prospect of the top checking in. The bottom also needs to remain communicative. 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 Yeah. communicative. Yes. The bottom Long words with no teeth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, you should have heard me yesterday. With the tooth out and my entire half of face being um, anesthetized, I did feel like I should be going around with the Phantom of the Opera Mask. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, so yeah, a lot of bottoms sometimes, especially when going to subspace, go non-communicative. Non-talky. Yes. You go quiet. (laughs) And that, you know, that isn't helpful. You need to try and find ways of expressing yes or no, that's good or bad, yes, more, 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 to your dog. And just keep... And keep on continuously affirming that. Or, you know, sort of signalling that they need to wind back from that. Which brings us on to our next system. The traffic light system. Yay! So this is the one we taught in the classes that we used to do. And that you guys are still doing once we sort out a new venue. Oh yes, Um, once uh, for my birthday. Uh, I set it as a house rule, because... You know, not to brag, I rented out a dungeon and had an excellent time. It was fucking awesome. Yes. Uh, House so, rules. We impl- we said the um, traffic light system was in play. Green. Go. I want more. Yes, please. All of these things. Yes. Yellow. Something is wrong. Pause for a second, but I want to continue. Yeah, it could just be, right, this is getting far too much. Wind it back for a little bit. Or... Or, ow, 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 that's pinching. Stop, just move the knot a little to the left. Okay, perfect, carry on. Yeah. And then red is, stop, stop it right now. No, bad. 
bad dom. This is basically, I think, a better safe word system. Because mm. safe words is, right, that ends the scene. And you don't want to always do that. Mm. But at the same time, you may things may be pushing beyond your boundaries. You may be reaching your limit on something, even if you enjoy it. So it's good to keep the scene going, but just to say, can we switch gears? Mm. Can we try something else for a bit? Can we, you know, can you ease off and give me a breather? And it's, I often have to do it with long tickle torture sessions, mm. which I said, right, right, I'm really struggling to breathe right now. Orange, ease off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there isn't so much of a go-to for this if you've got someone gagged. Um, there is a go-to for ungag me, I need to say something urgently, which is um, three short, sharp grunts. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. And that's, again, that's something that you're not going to do by accident that's clearly intentional and very easy to understand. And like the traffic light system, it is sort of becoming a universal system. Not everyone's heard of it, but a lot of people use it. Mm. And because it's so easy to understand just from a single sentence of talking, it's a useful go-to. It's not like, and today's safe word is pneumonia ultramicroscopic silicovolcaniconiosis. Julia Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but another one, if you can't be verbal, is just a physical communication. When I had a bit of a force feeding scene yeah. with two of my friends, um, when I was being fed liquid, because that obviously poses a choking hazard, mm. hazard they put their um, hand just under my two fingers, and if things were getting difficult or I needed them to stop, I would just tap them with my two fingers. Easy. Physical signal. Yep. Squeeze of the hand, tap of the fingers, tap of the foot. Plus, you know, holding hands during a scene is actually quite yeah. fun anyway. Physical contact is... Makes it more intimate. Yes, yes, and helps get the hormones flowing. Hmm. Yes. So, yeah, I think that's covered the basics. Yeah, pretty much. Now, we're going to move on to more advanced things. Now, the reason I bring Consent Up now is actually another podcast called uh, Grey Dancer's Roadcast. Um, check it out if you can. He's got some very interesting people on. The last three have been on consent incidents. And a lot of them are on um, the grey areas. And if you don't know what I mean, I suggest you um, listen to them. I'm going to put them in, links to them in the show notes. But it started with his interview with Lee Harrington. Yes, another podcast I highly recommend you listen to. <laughs> Lee Harrington's very spiritual in his things. He's, uh, as far as I know, New Age slash Pagan, but he very much incorporates um, BDSM into that and talks about it from a very spiritual point of view. Very interesting to listen to. Very nice guy. Um, so, yeah, they was talking, they got onto the subject of um, when there's a violatee but not a violator, which is something we'll get into later. But right now, let's talk on our list is dangers of shifting limits in subspace. Again, this is the uh, principle of changing your mind. At mm. some point, 
things can be going really well, you're really enjoying it, and then suddenly things go bad and you have to stop. And it's not necessarily obvious why it's happening to the other person. Um, so this one didn't happen to me in subspace, but the very, very first time I ever fisted someone, my brain decided to be uncooperative, literally the moment I got inside. Um, so I was studying anatomy at the time, and a few weeks before, we had been um, covering the lower intestines. And so my brain decided to chime in just as I had gotten inside my boyfriend and was doing the thing that he loved the most in this world. And my brain went, guess what? Your hand's been in this place once before. Do you remember when? Do you? I'm going to tell you. Your hand was last in this position inside the, the corpse of a 90-year-old man. Have fun with your boyfriend. And suddenly... Oh, my God. And suddenly, the scene was over. Because I genuinely couldn't continue after that realisation. And it took us, like, a week, two weeks before we could try again. And it worked a lot better the second time. But you can see why just something as non-obvious as a person in a scene having a realisation about something that they don't enjoy can completely end the scene and make them change their mind completely about continuing. This can happen just as much to the top as to the bottom. And you do have to be willing to communicate it when that happens, because if you don't, it's just going to hurt both of you. Yeah. A lot of the time, our brains are funny things and they make odd connections. And sometimes you can be doing something for years and then something about the setting or the person you're with or anything really can just write. There's now this bad connection between that. Something mm. is being set off in your brain and it's like, this doesn't normally happen, but now you need to stop. Mm. And you're not enjoying this anymore. And, you know, that happens. And, you know, at that time, it's important to, again, continuous communication, just say, something is going on with me. Can we take a break? Yeah. Yeah, as soon as you start to feel like something's bad, don't try and think, oh, I'm going to push through this. It's, yeah, that almost never works. Yeah. I genuinely never heard someone say, I really wasn't enjoying it, but I pushed through it, and afterwards it was good. Um, it, we're doing this because we enjoy it. We're doing this because it's fun. It's what we love. Don't make it into a bad thing. Don't make it something you have to push through. Yeah, That's not the point. And if you do, that risks basically ingraining it in your brain, in your pathways, and that connection will be there permanently. Mm. That can often happen. Um, but there's also the other way, which is when something feels really good, you go beyond the initial limits you set when you're in a much calmer state of mind. Um, to give an example, say, barebacking. You normally abide by a safe sex rule, always condoms, but you're just so horny at the time and just so into it and so high on the dolphins, like you go, you know what, why not? It'll be fantastic to get fucked raw and have him come inside me. Screw it. This is going too well. I'm enjoying it too much. Let's not fiddle around with condoms and waste five minutes. And then the next morning you panic, waking up, realizing you have no idea of his status and you best get to the hospital for, is it Pep? Pep. Pep. 
I mean, or the other thing, it could be like you may not have a problem with it, but in your if you're in a say open relationship and you and your partner have set rules, you know, it's up to you and the person you're with to both respect those rules, mm. even though in the moment you may lose yourself. So again, this is up to both tops and bottoms, which is even if they're saying at the time when they're like, oh, in orphans, let's try this. Maybe you should say, no, we didn't discuss this. If you want to do it after we've cooled down and you're in a better state of mind, we can discuss it and try again the next time we play. But, you know, right now we only do stuff we've pre-discussed. Yay for sex not being as sexy as it is in porn. What, you mean where someone can just like, oh, this is my first time, yeah, shove that London bus up there. Or when the plumber shows up five minutes after you call him. I know, right? (laughs) Wouldn't porn be great? (laughs) Living in a porn world. (laughs) Oh, I wish pizza boys were that sexy. (laughs) Anyway, I'm getting distracted. Yes. Uh, Next, dangers of going non-verbal. So we sort of mentioned it earlier, how you can just... It's very easy to go quiet when you're in subspace because you're just enjoying it too much. And the it's difficult to try and force yourself to become verbal, but you can still do it sexily. The, the moaning boy begging you not to stop is still about as fun as just the moaning boy. Yeah, but it's also maybe just pre-warning the dom, say, look, when, say, I've been in a sleep sack for two hours, even when I'm, you know, having my tits played with or my cock or my balls, I go very non-verbal and just sort of sink into myself and just let the dom know that's a risk and that they have to look out for that and that, you know, Maybe if you know yourself well enough or like someone's previously told you, when I go nonverbal, my body does this, which gets signs. You know, look for this body language instead mm. of simple verbal. Just letting the dom know that this can be the case, you know, can be very helpful. It, it does require you to know yourself very well, though. So don't worry too much if that takes you a bit of time to figure out. Yeah. It's really, again, communicate, communicate, communicate. That is basically all consent boils down to, but ultimately, communication isn't sexy. Sex is sexy. We want it to be like porn, and that makes it awkward sometimes. Yeah. Oh, well, what's that German word that basically means the sadness derived from life Um, not being the way you imagine it to be. I genuinely don't know that one. I love it. I love these words that compress down these big concepts into small things, and you get a lot (laughs) of them in German. It's a very efficient language. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. um, Playing without a safe word. Now, some people like to play without a safe word. This is done after knowing people for a long while. Yeah, jumping in immediately without a safe word doesn't necessarily end well. Um, The ability to back out is still very useful when you're still getting to know someone, getting to know the chemistry you have between them, 
earning someone's trust. I mean, this um, this takes years, and a lot of the time. I mean, there are some people that don't like safe words because they think the word no should mean the word no. They yeah. say it's like, you know, if you say no or stop, I'm going to no- say, I uh, I will stop. Yeah. You don't need a specific word for that. But even then, that sort of falls under... That does still fall under the idea of a safe word, even if my safe word is no, deal with it. Um, yeah. That's absolutely fine. But the I, there are some people who still want you to force them... The idea of someone forcing you to take everything they give you can be sexy in the right circumstances. Yeah. I know lots of people who enjoy that. And I know lots of people who enjoy the idea of forcing someone to take what they give without even if they say no and even if they're struggling. And again, this is this can be sexy, but this is very... You have to be very strong emotionally to do it because this is really playing with fire. Yeah, you really have to know and trust and know the ins and outs of this person quite well, years worth of knowing them, and know yourself. Know, because uh, this basically relies on pre-given consent, not continuous consent, pre-given consent that says, right, from this point on, whatever I say, you have consent. I am willingly saying from this point to this point, I cannot withdraw consent, which is very dangerous. You are playing with fire. You know, if that's what gets you off and you honestly think you know this person well enough and you honestly think you know yourself well enough, you know, your life, try it, but know that it is dangerous and it may not work out for you. Yeah. I mean, everything we do is risky in one way or another. Today I have ridden in a car. Mm. Today I have been outside in a thunderstorm. Today I have eaten food that contains choking hazards. But always go into something that has risks, knowing the risks. Mm -hmm. And this one is something where you need to know the risks. Yeah. Um, Another good thing to keep in mind is... Moving on is implicit expectations of play spaces, dark rooms, orgy rooms, etc. Knowing the space and knowing what's expected if you go in there. So different dark rooms are always going to have different cultures based on who's been there, how many times, for how many decades, and what goes on in the place during this specific night. Some nights you can go into a dark room that um, is full-on fetish. There's slings and sleep sacks and hoods and ropes and some days it's just literally fully clothed men dropping trowel and fucking each other standing and there are going to be people there who are in a dark room in order to find sex and when they see someone who they want to have sex with they will approach and they will not necessarily be communicating the way you're used to communication working. So it's as much knowing yourself as knowing the other person, as knowing the other person in the context of this entire room. Go in expecting, go in knowing what to expect and 
then you'll be able to deal with it accordingly. Sometimes it goes wrong, and yeah, that's very, very unpleasant. Yeah, is even if you wander into a situation which you may not be fully prepared for, you always, always have the option, or should have the option, to say no. This isn't what I signed up for, this isn't what I expected, sorry, no. So the slapping other people's hands away when they decide they're going to start groping you, the pushing someone away when they are too drunk to realize that you are pushing their hand away and they, you don't want them to do things to you. Or when it absolutely comes down to it, ruining everyone else's time in the entire dark room by yelling no so loudly that every single person stares at you because the cunt in front of you keeps latching onto the back of your neck and forcing you onto his goddamn dick and not realizing that you have been crawling backwards and shoving him away for 10 minutes and ripped your own leather trousers on their first day of fucking use outside of America. God damn it, I hated that guy. But, yeah. Um, so, like I said, there are dangers involved. But yeah. always be willing, always know that there is a way out. Even if it does mean you have to be antisocial for a second. I I encourage that. It's basically people, the malicious people like that that try and get you try and get you through social pressure and expecting you to be meek. It's and by basically fully declaring, especially in front of an audience, that no, you know, that gives you an armor. Never be afraid to make a scene if you're in jeopardy. Mm. It's far better to be antisocial for 10 seconds than it is to become a rape victim. Yeah. It's, I mean, I had this horribly, I mean, we've all, I think throughout our lives, most people have hor well, at least one horrible experience, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly. Mine was in the XXL darkroom where this complete Australian twat, I had two run-ins with him before, and he just tried to corner me and force me. And when I tried, I tried walking away and he actually grabbed me and tried to pull me back. Mm. And that was fucking scary. And I just had to yell at the top of my voice, get the fuck off me. And as soon as people turned their heads, he let go. Yep. You know, because, you know, the other people in that room are going to support you if you're screaming, get the fuck off me. Yeah, no one wants to watch a rape. Okay, no, that's not quite fair. No one wants to watch a real rape outside of Game of Thrones. Yeah, no one, and you know, no one wants to be a party to rape. They will help you out. Mm. And any good place worth its salt, like I mentioned XXL, you know, their bouncers are trained to, if you report someone, they will be kicked out and barred. And you will be taken, well, not taken care of, but... You will be looked up. You will be attended to, Yes. And, yeah, I mean, we've kind of strayed off topic, which, you know, I think these are important things to talk about, is, uh, what was the space? Uh, implicit expectations. Again, using old XXL, before it moved, it's a big bear club in London, for those outside the London, 
Um, their dark room actually had two levels. One was the dimly lit room. Yeah. Where you had basically the meat grind where people would walk around, catch someone's eye, drop trowel, sat cock in the corner, spank. And then up a flight of stairs, you had the pitch black room, which was basically an orgy room. And if you went in there, everyone was groping everyone else. And it sort of implied if you went up there, that's what you should expect. Mm. Again, if you didn't realize, that's fine. Um, you know, all, you always have the right to say no. Always. But it's just try and be aware. Ask people what what's expected of you when you enter a space. Yeah, it's... I don't like pitch black rooms. Oh, no. I've got to be honest. I want to be able to see the person who's got their fingers inside me or whose dick I'm sucking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have limits as to what I'll do in a public space. If I ever go to Hard-On or somewhere with a proper play space, I generally won't fuck. Uh, Rimming... I like to be able to check before I rim someone. I'm (laughs) sorry. I'm just crazy that way. No, that's fair. Not everyone has a shower shot and not everyone has cleaned up that effectively beforehand. Especially if they're like a top that enjoys being rimmed. Tops don't seem to consider this as much. Well, sad but true. (laughs) They they don't. They have a lot less reason to. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, um, so yeah, you always have the right to say no. Um, generally speaking, there's an etiquette in dark rooms and uh, like saunas, bathhouses, whatever you want to call them, gentlemen's spas, <laughs> um, which is the hand on the thigh, hand on the backside, and they wait a little bit, and if you don't want them, you just gently brush them away. Mm. If they ignore that, slap them away, and if they ignore that, you know, then get verbal and just say, no, fuck off. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you should never feel bad if someone keeps pushing you because no means no. No does not mean later. And I'm using this specifically to refer to uh, saunas, a.k.a. bathhouses if you're from the U.S. There's... Uh, okay, my issue with them is just... It's a lot harder to read nonverbal social cues when you're drunk or when you're off your face. Mm. I am worse at reading verbal cues when I've had like even as much as two drinks in me. So going into a space where everyone has some sort of chemical assistance on them and no one wants to talk it makes kink a lot more difficult. You are basically there explicitly for vanilla sex because that's an explicit thing that you can say yes or no to. And if you're going to try and do a negotiated scene involving lots of different things, it's just not the right place for it because no one's going to be talking. And if they are talking, they're not going to be fully aware of themselves and of all of the complicated bits around it. Oh, yeah. These are very involved discussions, which you can't have really with someone if they're not all there, if they're inebriated in any way. Again, this is, again, why I don't do kink in 
public clubs. I don't want to be flogged by someone I've just met because I have no idea what they're like, how harsh they are, if they have a reputation for being bad, or mm. you don't know the full situation, what you're getting into. I mean, again, going back to no does not mean not right now. One of the problems I found with saunas is trolls. Now, you young millennials, of which I am one, may not have realised the term troll in the gay community had a more specific meaning. Go on. Which is someone that keeps bugging you and trying it on with you, even though you aren't into it. Some people, again, words have different definitions. Some people just mean it's someone who's unattractive that's coming on to you. For me, it's always been someone that, when you've turned them down, continue to try. And you get a lot of them in saunas, who basically, even after rejecting you, will follow you around and keep trying. I genuinely don't understand that. After someone has explicitly said no to you... Why do you think they're going to change their mind and suddenly say yes if you stalk them? I genuinely don't understand the mindset. Well, okay, I'm going to be perfectly blunt here. Go for it. A lot of them were older gentlemen, quite a bit older gentlemen, who, you know, the gay community being the way it is, may not get as much action as a younger gentleman. And it comes of a sort of success through perseverance. They they seem to have got into this rut where they basically get laid by pressuring people into it because that's the only way they really can get laid anymore. I am not going to judge because I have no information on this one. I can fully understand why there's such a tendency amongst the older generations to go for non-verbal communication. In the olden days, it was completely illegal. If you were talking about it, that was illegal. We had entire codes. Um, look up the language Polari if you ever get bored and want to go down a Wikipedia hole. Um, we had to make entire systems to be able to communicate with each other in such a way that wouldn't get us arrested and imprisoned for a gross public indecency or buggery or whatever the other laws were that were in place to make us criminals. So, yes, absolutely. You can have grown up in an entire world where nonverbal cues are the only cues you can have for whether someone's saying yes or no. But when someone has actually said no, why carry on? Yeah, just, I mean, this is the horrible tendency. It's not just in saunas. It's a lot like um, how women, because they're conditioned by society a lot of the time to, you know, try and take extra care with men's feelings and let them down gently, a lot of Older gay men have that same sort of take advantage of younger gay guys. They're not very confident in their place for the first time. They will... I've noticed, sadly, a lot of the time, the, the select few guys deliberately ignore the more subtle yeah. cues to leave and just deliberately act ignorant of them to try and pressure people into things. And it's really disgusting and gets my back up. 
There are a few London kink nights I won't go to just because I know there are people like that there. Yeah. 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 And it is. And if there's someone I know who's going with, I will always keep an eye on them and, you know, step in. And it's like, why don't you come to the bar with me? Want to go for a cigarette with me? Want to? Because I don't smoke, but it's like, you know, catch all the cheese, you know. Come over here. I've got something interesting to show you away from this creep. Have you seen this corner? It's very interesting. What rustic architecture there is here. Walk. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you're a younger guy, it's okay to say no and it's okay to make a big deal being direct. And if the guy can't take your first no and keeps on trying, it's okay to act like an arsehole. Because they're being an arsehole first. Yep. It's okay they are relying on you trying to be too polite to directly say no and confront them. Ah, yes. The polite rapist. Yeah. It's basically... 99 no's and then a yes is still a yes. Yeah. It's violation <laughs> through pressure. It's a coerced yes. Absolutely. Which is not a yes. No. Yeah. Anyway. Any. Yeah, I knew this was going to be a tough episode because it's digging up a lot of shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of us have gone through a lot of crap in our years. Yeah, it's a sad truth that I think, you know, everyone's going to have bad kink experiences. I'm mm. afraid it's a, it's a fundamental fact. If you're into kink, not all of it will go well. I'm sorry. I wish it did, but. Facts of life. There are these things you're going to have to deal with. There's a lot you've got to learn. And unfortunately, you can't always learn all of it the easy way. Yeah. I mean, this brings up us to what could be an even bigger rabbit hole to go down, which is the grey areas of consent. Yes. Yeah. Now... Consent, for the most part, is pretty straightforward with the continual yes, which is why I bring this to this, is um, the concept of being violated without a deliberate violator. Not all consent breaches are done maliciously or deliberately. That does not make it okay. That does not mean the horrible feelings you get from that are invalid. But they sometimes these things have to be dealt with um, they can be hard to deal with. Let's just put it like that. So let me concoct an example for you. Um, Jack and Mark are having a flogging scene in the club. Okay. They're long time. You know, playmates, they've played before, they know each other well most of the time, and they have a safe word. Trouble is, in the club they're playing by, Jack, as he's flogging Mark, is right by the loudspeaker blaring out the techno trance that you get in every BDSM fetish club these days. The thumper thumper is going loud. So he's doing his normal flogging scene and something goes wrong with Mark and Mark starts saying his safe word but because he's obviously facing away from Jack 
and Jack can't hear because of the thing, Jack carries on. So Mark eventually goes non-verbal and is having a very bad time as he's being flogged by his friend. Mm. But Jack, you know, he is not being malicious. He's not like, as far as he knows, Mark's having a good time, even though that's not what happened. And he doesn't realise until it's too late. In this sort of scenario, which these things do happen, um, it can be very tough. It's tough for both of you. The Obviously, mm-hmm. if someone is doing something to you that you don't want, it feels god-awful. But equally, knowing that you've done something to someone that they didn't want, and it's someone that you care about, and it's someone that you want to make happy, that feels pretty damn shit as well. And it's... You've got to try and do everything you can to make sure that this can't happen in the first place, because afterwards, there's not really much you can do. Once it's done, you've just got to try and deal with it. And there's, I mean, there are support groups and there's help you can get, but ultimately, it just takes really long time to not feel like a piece of shit afterwards. And... No one wants to go through that. No one should go through that. No, it... I mean, the main thing is, even though it can be hard, is communication. Just clearly saying, why didn't you do this? Which can lead to, you know, this happened, which the top may have not have realised. After which the top's reaction pretty much depends on them being a decent person. Because, unfortunately, a lot of the time, tops get defensive. Yeah, the it takes a lot of... It takes a very... A lot of effort to not get defensive when you realise... When you're told that you have done something wrong which you didn't realise you did wrong. To be able to go straight from, oh, shit, I just did that, and not go to... But I didn't do that. But instead to go, oh my god, I am so sorry, I had no idea. How can I make this right? That takes a lot of effort and a lot of mental training because genuinely, you don't think you did that. You don't realize you did anything wrong. And so you think that you're about to be punished for something you didn't do. And no one... No one's trained to feel like that is something you should just accept. Yeah, people get defensive. The brain automatically goes into, I am cornered, I'm a cornered animal mode, I have to defend myself. And sadly, often people do it go into attack mode. You know, the best defense is an offense. Why didn't you say stop louder? Why didn't you start kicking? Or why didn't you move out of the way? Or why didn't you... Why is this my fault for or, not realizing that you didn't do enough? Or because even clearly, the worst thing, or even the worst thing. Well, I know I'm not a rapist, so you must be lying. Yep. And I'm going to tell everyone you're lying. You're a frigid bitch. Yeah, it it's awful, and that is not the way to handle it. And you know, I will be. I won't go into details, but I have been on both ends of this situation. Yeah. And it is important to act with grace because even if you didn't mean to hurt someone, 
even if it's like a complete accident, like in the example I gave, you know, it's basically because the club speaker was right behind them. The person still feels violated. They are still going through a trauma. And, you know, even if you didn't deliberately do something, you have responsibility to that person. It still happened. And it still happened on your watch. And that you might not have actively done something wrong. You might not have knowingly done something wrong. But something still happened that was bad and that you were supposed to stop. And so it's it might not be your fault, but it's your duty to look after them now. It's your duty to take care of them in the aftercare of the scene, just as much as it would be if the scene had gone well and you were going over to cuddle for a bit. Yeah. And just because the aftercare now involves getting out going to a safe place, talking about what happened and what went wrong and trying to deal with it as best you can doesn't excuse you from the aftercare. Oh, yeah. that That's one of the most important things is showing aftercare and concern. And just being really receptive to the person who was violated's needs at that point. Even if they need you to go away and need someone else to take care of them while they distance themselves, you know. It's they what g- they need. It's part of the aftercare. Deal yeah. With it. And not everything has to be resolved in that moment. A lot of the time it takes time and the violated, violated party will reach a point where they can then talk to you about it. Hmm. And just knowing that you are sorry and it was a mistake and, you know, you feel dreadful for hurting them can be a help in the healing process. Because there will need to be a healing process. It won't go... But equally immediate remorse is a lot better than... Immediate defensiveness. Or just nothing and then maybe remorse a week later. That's... Hearing a half-baked apology a week later when someone has done something wrong to you is far, far worse than an immediate, oh, shit, I didn't know, I am so, so sorry. Yeah, it's, again, don't do a non-apology. Don't do, I'm sorry you're upset. Say, I am sorry because I have done this, 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 and it has clearly hurt you in this way. I understand that I am truly remorseful for that. Being a decent human being is hard sometimes. But you do. (laughs) You do kind of have to be. Yeah. And as the sub, it's, um, you know, it's important to... Don't blame yourself. Yeah. Don't blame yourself. There are exceptionally few cases, so few as to basically be zero, where a violated person was the person at fault. Almost never is the rape victim the one who should be apologising. I genuinely can't think of a case. And even if, like, this is a regular fuck by your friend and... You know, you want to get back on good terms with them after the healing process. 
don't feel pressured into doing something you don't want to do. It's, you know, sometimes shit happens and it just can't be repaired the same way it used to be. Yeah. A broken plate, even if it's put that together, will sometimes have scratches. It won't be the same plate it was before. I mean, what I'm getting with this metaphor is, in the experience where I was the violatee, and something went beyond my control, and I talked with it afterwards, and the top was incredibly remorseful. He was like, I really didn't know. I thought you meant you was into that. You know, he showed clear remorse. And I, you know, he was genuine in that. But I found I couldn't play with him again. Just because, you know, I didn't feel comfortable trusting with him in that situation again. And we stayed in contact. We stayed with friends. But we were no longer fuck buddies because of that. And, you know, you shouldn't feel bad about that. Because for a while I did, I felt, oh, God, I should should be all right. But, you know, I, everything should go back to the way it was. But... No, I, you know, the new, trust. New evidence has appeared. Something went wrong, and now you have to take that into account. And it doesn't yeah. mean that they're not a good person. It just means that you don't want tea with them because they're, yeah. that one time the tea was bad. And just because you've forgiven them for spilling tea on you, to go with the metaphor, doesn't mean you'll trust them with the cup again. Forgiving is not the same as forgetting. Mm. Forgiveness, you know, it doesn't mean everything goes back to the way it does before if you're wanting to forgive this person. It just means that both parties accept what has happened and they have gone towards the best possible solution they can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if one is genuinely sorry and the other one is genuinely willing to accept that apology... And understanding that it was, you know, fully trusting that it was a mistake. You know, you just do the best you can, but it won't always go back to how it was. Hmm. Jack and Mark may never play again, but they can still be friends and they can still... Yeah. it Friendship and sex don't necessarily have to go hand in hand. I mean, I know we're gays, but still... Sometimes you can just be friends with someone. Yeah. It's and talking about this again, this came from the Grey Dancers Rope cast. Again, check it out. But one of the interesting things he brought up was at his play events they have a group of people called Rashomons. And the term Rashomon came from a Japanese play, which you may have actually seen episodes of your favourite T V series do this, where it's a same short story told several times over from and it's been told by different people in that situation so in the original Rashomon there's a samurai a samurai's wife a bandit and I think it's a farmer I'm not sure it matters for this context yeah but it's um yeah and they each tell the story of how the samurai got murdered I know it's contrived. The samurai talks to a priest. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, and each of them tells it from their different perspective and different emphases are put onto what happened and how the characters acted. Um, and you get to see how memory plays tricks on us. The best episode, I say, is, if you're looking for a good example, Farscape. 
the episode opens when they're all in jail and having to explain to a judge what happened and each character's brought onto the stand and you know and each of their ver- it, it gets quite funny in each of their versions they're the hero other people's flaws are magnified in their telling and their virtues are magnified in their own telling and so forth anyway getting off topic um Different people have different perspectives, and sometimes the truth doesn't necessarily lie in any one person's interpretation. Yes, because what is very important to remember is one of the biggest lies that goes around about people is that memory is like a videotape. It's not. Memory is intensely malleable, easily and scarily so. Memory is basically your brain reconstruction hallucinating the narrative you have recorded. It is not a video recording of what you see, hear, and experience. I mean, there have been some fascinating scientific articles about this. Someone actually brought the group memory of a party into existence. Hmm. They took, I think it was a college class, photoshopped some pictures of people together at a party... That never happened. And then they started going around saying, oh, do you remember that night we all had this party together? And everyone's like, no, at first. Then they showed them the pictures on their phone. It's like, no, I took pictures. Remember this? By the end of two weeks of them doing that, this entire narrative had been constructed between these people, filling in each other's blanks in their memory. And by the end of it, they all swore they could remember this party existing. I think we're going off topic again. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what I'm pointing to say is memory is not infallible and it alters to our narratives. This is important to remember in these situations where something goes wrong, which is... And I've seen this happen before, where I've been witness to something and later on they said they were being so aggressive and um, and it's like... No, they were being slightly, and you're emphasising it in your retelling of the narrative. Hmm. And again, it works for both sides. And this is really sticky quagmire situation because, you know, rape victims have enough trouble being believed. And this is a serious issue. You know, we have a problem with rape culture where people are excused. Rape victims are not believed or listened to. And this is in no way justifying that. What it is, is essentially due process. You know, listening to all sides and then deciding. Mm. Um, but yeah, these Rashomons, <laughs> the actual people called Rashomons, they act as go-betweens. If there's a consent incident... They will talk to both parties, hear the incidents, and talk through it. I won't go into examples now, but Great Dancer had an episode entirely about incidents that have gone through the Rushmore people. And again, I'll link it in the show notes because I think it is well worth listening to. But yeah, it's... Independent adjudication can sometimes be very useful. It just... It won't necessarily make what you're going through easier, but it might help find the truth of the situation. And 
that's always useful to have, even if emotions don't necessarily pay that much attention to it. Yeah, I mean, this is also very good for, th- I won't say good, but it's very important for third parties. In tight-knit kink and leather communities, you rely on word of mouth to keep each other safe. You rely on references, and if someone's known to be a bit untrustworthy, it's important that word gets about, potential play partners get told Hmm. things. But at the same time, it's important not to go full Salem witch trials. You know, don't... There's this really fine line between being safe and being the burning mob hmm. or torch wielding mob a burning mob would be <laughs> awkward that yeah i don't even yeah. know how a burning mob would work so again it is just important to listen to what's being said and actually always assume that it's a human speaking yeah it, it's not the narrator of the story it's a human yeah and just Go in knowing that. Yeah. I think, and again, don't do it in a way that automatically dismisses people. If they if they have said they've been violated or raped or they've had a bad experience, don't dismiss them. Their feelings are valid. I think someone summed it up the best way the other day. Don't automatically... I mean, there's this thing about tackling rape culture, which is always believe the victim. It should be always listen to the victim. Always give them full and unbiased as possible consideration Mm. and listen to them. And show them that their feelings are valid and that they, in coming to you, have been validated. Again, this is a very quagmire situation. Ethics. Yay. Ethics. They are hard. Because either of us has done a degree in this. Well, computer programming, which, you know, is kind Clearly of like... Clearly ethics. Or have you ever tried to... Um, I have pro- never made a Grey Goo program, no. No, I was going to say, have you tried programming a self-driving car? I don't... That, want- that contains a lot of ethics. There's more <laughs> things... I will take your word for it. Well, no, there's this, again, going off topic, but there's this, uh, I mean, I think we've covered most of the topic, so I am going to ramble. You know, there's this big thing with Google's self-driving cars, which is if a hit and run happens, well, not a hit and run, but if someone dies, whose responsibility is if it's a self-driving car? Probably the programmer's. They get to decide who lives and dies in what situation. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty yeah. terrifying. Do you swerve out the way of the child running to the street? But it, but do you do that if it means the death of the driver, or if swer if saving the driver would cause like a coachload of people to die? Can you set a machine to calculate life by amounts? What do you do in these situations that will come up? And whilst we start giving people the trolley problem to figure out, do you think we should probably leave them? 
Yes, yes. This is give something to think about. Please listen over. Again, check out Grey Dancer's Ropecast. He gets into a lot of issues which I think really need to be explored and talked about. And, yeah, this has been a tough subject to talk through. I want ice cream. Do you want ice cream? I want ice cream. I'm ready for ice cream after this. Um, yeah. I will be putting a little trigger warning at the front of it. Just Probably a yeah, good idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully we'll be back on a regular schedule soon. Um, if you're going to IML, please check out our sponsor, Pablo Green. He will be at IML. Uh, yes, he'll be doing a book signing. And Adam, will you be at IML? I will indeed. I hate you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I never get to go to IML. <laughs> I'll drag you along one year. It's fine. Yay! Yes. Uh, so, from me, I'm Craig Stevenson. You can find me on at Craig the Mouse on Twitter or Life of Mouse on Tumblr. Um, and I'm Adam. I'm GKP Boy, Geeky Kinky Puppy Boy, um, on Twitter. Uh, and I think on Tumblr as well. Yes. And if you like us, please rate us on iTunes because that is our lifeblood. This is how. Podcasts live and die, so please, please let us live. <laughs> um, yes, and if you have any suggestions, topics, comments on the subject we've just talked about, you know, if you've been affected by the issues raised in this program, um, contact us at kinkyboyspodcast at gmail.com. And yeah. Yeah, so, I think that's everything. Yep, so from us, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.